Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass from episode 252. Glad you could join us. We got a couple kind of larger topics today, but let's get started with some introductions starting at the top of the list with Jason. Hey guys, it's Jason. Uh, I'm one of the hosts here on Biomass, and I play games and do stuff. And in my spare time, mess around with robots and all kind of other Black Mirror stuff. <laughs> all right, and Libby, you're up. Hello, I'm Libby, and I also do stuff. Uh, sorry, my brain is not working today. I'm downloading coffee right now, so that's that's my status right now. Yeah, I'm I'm equally fried too, so it's going to be more of a shit show than usual. But I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. I do a lot of the YouTube stuff, and uh, I have been feeling a lot of regret for ever doubting the Division Two because I'm having a really good time with that. And we'll we'll get Jay's thoughts on that in a little bit here, but. I wanted to start with probably a, a hotly anticipated announcement, which we all knew it was coming because they pretty much advertised it pretty clearly for uh, quite a while. But at PAX East, Gearbox Software announced basically their, their trailer for Borderlands 3, along with some other stuff, but Borderlands 3 was kind of the, the big one, which uh, I was super hyped for. Um, Borderlands is kind of like the original looter shooter it's it's kind of the, the granddaddy of all of these games i've been playing recently and uh you know two was absolutely fantastic you know wonderful wonderful game and then so three has been hotly anticipated for quite a while here uh, gearbox was kind of involved with some other other projects like battleborn which was uh, an unfortunate mess but uh it is good to see that borderlands 3 is is well on its way so uh, I, I'm a huge fan. I, I was very hyped for it. I don't know how much uh, Jay or, or Livy, how much you have played of the Borderlands series, but uh, were, were you tracking this? I've been drugged through a couple of those games a few years back with some friends, I think. <laughs> I, I, I know we played Borderlands 2 in pre-sequel with you. Did you ever play the first one? I don't remember. I don't think so. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, the second one was pretty much a direct upgrade in every way from the first one, so it's kind of skippable. I mean, it, it was a good game, but, like, the two is, is a very solid game. What do you think about this, uh, the announcement and all that sort of thing? Um, I didn't see the announcement or the, the video. Well, you watched the trailer, though. I did, but I only remember the legs on the robot. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the best part. <laughs> Follow with my catchphrase of I got you, boo. So I think I'm good with the game so far. <laughs> All right, Jay, what do you think, man? Um, well, so I, I do have a tad bit of experience in Borderlands, particularly Borderlands 1 and 2. Uh, well, I, let me rephrase that. Borderlands 2, and then I went back and looked at Borderlands 1 for a little bit. I enjoyed 2 a lot more, so I didn't really mess around with 1 very long. Um, it's a very unique art style, very unique world, and you're right. It's definitely the... Uh, kind of one of the OG sort of entries into this, into this kind of game market. And uh, I, I, I'm a fan of any game series continuing to go to the well, as long as it's not played out. If you know what I mean, um, Borderlands did very well in their initial offerings. And I would even say their telltale game was really good. It's actually su like superb. Uh, and, you know, I enjoy those Telltale games, or I used to anyway. And, I mean, we even talked about that on, on the show here. Uh, it was Tales from the Borderlands. So they've got a good a good vibe, good a good model. I'm very interested to see kind of what they do with this or how they iterate on it. One of my big – one of the big things I picked up on between Borderlands 1 and 2, not much difference in the game. 
slightly sharper graphics, you know, a little bit, you know, it's procedurally generated loot pool, very Diablo-esque, but okay, it's some new loot, maybe a couple different mechanics by the hero characters, but um, it was not a huge iteration. The story and the missions you were doing were, that was really good. Um, and it kind of furthered some things, but particularly the characters, but it, it, in the back of your mind, you know, particularly as somebody who plays a lot of games or you, you watch a lot of games, it's there. They didn't, they didn't push the ball forward very much. So I'm, I'm curious to see what that means for this now. Uh, so I, I think that'd be my original take. Yeah. And yeah. Thoughts with legs. That's a, that's my jam. The guns with legs. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. <laughs> I, I think you know I, I was I was happy to, with what what I saw, but I think a lot of the criticism that that I'm seeing, which is I was a little surprised honestly that there was so much. I was, there's a lot of criticism, but there was criticism that they're like, oh, it just looks like Borderlands Two again, and you know, I, I it, personally I'm like that's kind of okay with me. Like like you were saying, Jay, like in terms of gameplay between Borderlands One and Two. It didn't change a ton. I mean, it was a lot of like quality of life stuff. <clears throat> there was, you know, some other systems they added, but honestly, like the, the core gameplay was always really solid. They didn't need to really change and, and reinvent the wheel to make Borderlands 2 feel really good. So if Borderlands 3 is kind of the same deal where it's, you know, it's the same core system and they just kind of clean up some some bits and pieces here and add on a little bit. Um I'm totally fine with that. Like that's, you don't need to fix it if it's not broken. And I think that, you know, it's good to have games evolve and expand, obviously, but that doesn't mean you have to, you know, totally redo something that works really well. That's the core part of your game. Um, and, and there are some things that are changing. Like I think, uh, and there's not a ton of details on this, unfortunately, but like the, the skill tree, like the original um, first two games, it's pretty much like, You've got four classes, and there's like an action skill, which is like their their main ability, and then there's perks that you would unlock that would modify that action skill and how the character played in a certain way. Um, and there's like three different trees you could go down. You could mix and match skills, and, and it was it, it worked it worked really well. I liked it a lot. Um, I think they're expanding on that quite a bit more for this. I think there's three action skills now that you can choose from and kind of branch out a little bit more. So kind of making that progression a little more in depth, and I think that's that's. That's a good way to do it. It's kind of the same core idea, but just expanding on it a little bit and kind of branching it out. So, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't at all disappointed with what I saw. I think that their their sense of humor is on point. The way they kind of present stuff is is very much the same as it's always been, which is a good thing. Um, not a ton of gameplay was shown, but, you know, just from what we've seen with previous offerings, you kind of know what you're going to get. So I wasn't really like, I need to see gameplay um, I think probably the part I'm, I'm most interested in is seeing kind of the the characters and the classes, the class abilities and that sort of thing, um, just to kind of whittle down on which character I'm going to want to play first. But, you know, I'm a theory crafter. I love digging into that shit. Um, Gearbox has always been good at putting, like, their skill trees for the characters on their website. You could do, like, mock-up builds, like, well before the game even came out. Um, so I'm, I'm all nerding out over that. But that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Um, I guess the only downside is probably no release date officially announced at the very least. Um, but, you know, they, they, they said during development that they were kind of holding back on announcing the game. Because, like, are you making Borderlands 3? And, and, the, and the response is always like, well, we don't really like the practice of announcing a game and then waiting for years to release it because that's kind of frustrating for players. So, yeah. So we all kind of knew it was in development, but they never really wanted to come out and say it. I mean, this this last week was the first time they really officially said, yes, we're making Borderlands 3. So my my guess is, is that we're going to see it 
this year, um, just based off of that philosophy, I don't see them waiting till next year and kind of going against what they were, they're originally uh, <clears throat> kind of holding off or they wanted to release it fairly close to the announcement. So that's exciting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously preoccupied with, with another really good game right now, but uh, probably by the time that kind of burns out, I will be more than happy to play Borderlands uh, 3 this mouth. year. What was that? Shut your mouth. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, uh, no, I was just joking with you, man. <laughs> but that's, uh, you're in an interesting space. Like, this is a, a very good example of when you find, like, a kind of a game groove that you really like, and then suddenly you find yourself with multiple games of that flavor and type that are really good, or at least, well, or at least if not really good, they're worth your time based on how you value your time. It's a nice problem to have. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the good thing is, is that with with the game like Borderlands, it, it's not quite the same model as a lot of the other titles you've seen in the same genre, like. Um, Destiny and and you know, Division and, and Anthem, where you, you kind of go through a, a fairly short campaign and then you kind of go into the quote-unquote end game where it's, it's a lot of repeating the same activities. That's that's not really how I've usually played Borderlands. Uh, it tends to have a bit of a longer campaign. like it's, it's It feels like more like a single-player campaign in terms of, of length. And I, I usually just kind of play through it once and then I'm kind of done with it for a bit. And I might come back later into a different character, but I don't tend to get sucked into this loop of you know, doing it over and over and over again. So, like, it, it's a great experience, but it usually only lasts a few months for me, and I might come back to it later, but it's not like Destiny 2, where, you know, I pick it up, I buy it, I play it for, you know, God, like, two years straight, because I'm just kind of doing that weekly loop. So, you know, if, even if I step away from what I'm currently playing to play Borderlands for a month or two, I'm still satisfied with playing it like that and going back to some of these more gaming as a service models. So I, I think it'll be okay, but you're totally right. It's nice to finally feel like, wow, there's multiple games I want to play because they're really good. And I have to actually manage my time now rather than, well, I got this one good game. It better last for the next six months because nothing else is coming out that looks promising. So it's a good place to be. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's, um, I mean, the, the short answer is like, you know, when I saw the Borderlands stuff, I was very excited again. It's the style of game I like. I do like, they've got the kind of unique sort of shell, uh, cel-shaded sort of um, uh, 80s comic book style. And uh, their story writing is really good. Frankly, I, I would say their world building and character building is is maybe the most on-point things in that game. The gunplay is, is solid. It's not um, super high and crisp, but it's it's very solid, super passable. Uh, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. They, they originally had some really neat kind of hero me- mechanics. So like I said, very interested to see what they do with it. But as you, you know, what I'm looking at in terms of my game slate, uh, Destiny 2 is kind of my, that's my home base that I always come back and forth to. And I, you know, I will always play that periodically throughout the week to do certain things. There's always little couple of things I'm working on. Right now I'm super deep into Division 2. And for me, if anybody's listened to me for any amount of time on this show for the last several years we've been on, I did not like Division One. When I want to say did not like Division One, I mean I hated Division One. Um, I wanted to like that game a lot. Like I, I really, really wanted to like that game, but their execution just, you know, no, like no pun intended, just left me really cold, and I, I just, I really got turned off in the game. And I really kind of hated on it. Um, 
very skeptical of Division Two, uh, and, and it's turned me around. So, uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in depth here in a little bit. But uh, when I look at Destiny Two, Division Two, got a Borderlands option. You, you know, you got a lot of looter shooters that are floating around out there um, that are in the space that you can enjoy. And frankly, you know, if Anthem ever kind of gets its act together, that could be another one. I That's another game that I really, really wanted to like. And, and they had almost the opposite problem of Division. Um, I love the setting of Anthem. I love the mobility options, the, the crazy abilities, the, like, the, they're, they didn't even mess around with PvP, so they're only balancing the PvE world. Just the, the massive, crazy chaos stuff that you can do in that game from a fighting mechanic style, but everything else in the game is shit. Whereas in the in uh, Division, in Division 1, rather, it was a bit opposite for me, where I just thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the other stuff going on, the world build, I mean, everything around it, but the actual minute-to-minute gameplay was shit. So it's literally kind of they were in the exact opposite problem set. So I think that being said, it's a lot. It will be a lot easier for Anthem to dig themselves out of that hole if they elect to stay focused like they are now and continue to iterate on what they got going on. So you got like a ton of space. And I'll even throw in Monster Hunter World in there as I'm glaring at a hole through my iPad at Pokey right now. <laughs> um, that being said, and I, I we joke, it's like a running gag on the show. Um, but it's, it's that style of game. It's that action oriented, like looter game that you get. It just, uh, again, I think, um, a lot of games in this market, I really like them all and it's value. It's, it's good value for my time. The only thing that's going to pull me off of that is when cyberpunk drops eventually. I hope. Someday, right? Well, it'll be here before Zell ever sees any Robert Space Industries, uh, you know, vaporware. But hey, what do you know? <laughs> Did actually mention? It's funny you mentioned that um, they had an April Fool's joke <clears throat> where they were selling like a twenty-seven thousand dollar bottle of RSI scented cologne, I guess, so you could smell like you're, you know, a space pilot or something. It was pretty funny. So, that, please tell me that it has like shades of stale sweat that you'd smell in a, in a like a gentleman's club with hookers and cocaine, a hint of cocaine and uh, that new money smell from crisp, you know, hundred dollar bills that have been like bat just pulled right out of the big plastic blocks. Cause that's basically my image of Robert space industries right now. Don't forget the Plumeria perfume either. There you go. There you go. I, I figured they could actually just bottle um, uh, his sweat like directly and then just sell it to people so they can smell like the innovative genius that he is. I mean, to be fair, the guy's like conned millions of dollars out of people for, for basically concept art. So, I mean, that's impressive. So, I mean, if you want to smell like that kind of guy, you can get it for I guess yeah. it's, it's, it's 50, 50 bucks, but there's a $27,000 option. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jay. No, I'm not disagreeing with you, man. You're right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it's uh <laughs> anyway, it's I'm totally actually lost my train of thought now. Um but uh yeah, do you just want to roll into division two stuff? Because I mean I'm sure you've got a lot yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Since, I kind of I kinda of, mean let me talked a little bit about it last week. Um yeah. just kind of our initial thoughts, but since as you kind of uh lined up before, you were definitely not a huge fan of the first game and, and were even more against this game initially than I was. 
So what 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 turned you around? What what experience did you have in Division Two that that kind of changed your mind on this? Ooh, uh, let's start with it doesn't suck. Um, I, like no joke, it is the cleanest launch of any of these major, like very ambitious games that we've seen in a long time, like by far. Um, I, I would say that uh, one of my big beasts with division one. Now, I, now mind you, I did not play the, uh, the famous 1.8 uh, update, which was their kind of one year mark that really turned, apparently turned the game around for them. And I mean that literally in the way I say it, it, it really, uh, changed things for them in terms of what the state of the game was. I did not play that too much. I, I actually I saw a lot of information about it, some great video by videos by Skill Up on it, and I, I thought about digging back into it, but I just I kind of just couldn't bring myself to do it, uh, so I didn't. And I'm a little bit, a tiny bit, kind of uh, wishing that I had done that. That being said. The game, even after the 1.8 drop, wasn't exactly kind of probably what I would have wanted to have played. Um, and a lot of it really comes down to you've got a, a, like this hyper-realistic scenario or hyper-realistic kind of world that they've built. But it, it was a, just this really horrendous immersion-breaking combat. And I did not like it at all. I don't mind cover shooters. I'm, I'm pretty okay with cover shooters. Uh, but it was done poorly in Division One. It just wasn't. It just wasn't a good, a good feeling game. Uh, particularly when you like shoot a guy with a hoodie with four, you know, boxes of you know light machine gun ammo, and get nowhere with him. And, and that was just mind numbing. And I couldn't. I can't take that. It's it's different, at least for me, when you're playing a game and you're shooting robots and. There's shields and lasers and all kind of stuff like that. It's just very different for me in my head. Um, And then I see that in a game, and it just – I cannot – it's just too much cognitive dissonance for me. Um, I just couldn't get into it. Now, some of this admittedly is likely from, you know, baggage I have from real life because, you know, again, if you listen to the show, you know that I have, you know, I've been in the military for going on like 21 years. Uh, variety of different things, and I have a very, very good idea of how these things work in real life. And, and you know, having participated in a few things, I have a hard time connecting when I see that kind of stuff. Um, that being said, Division Two is not just uh, on the surface. If you look at it, you'd be like, "Oh, Division One, different, different city." You know, Washington versus New York. Not at all the case. They've really, really done maybe one of the best jobs I can remember ever of listening to the feedback and understanding what real, and I mean understand like truly like, you know, understanding with an underscore and some italicized fucking font, understanding what the friction in their first game was, understanding what players really wanted out of the game after having watched it for, you know, two years. Uh, and then understanding what they need to do with combat, the environments, how you interact with the world, how to make the world a living world, not just like a ghost town, and, and how you keep people engaged in a looter shooter or one of these big cyclic sort of games that, that has this huge do loop of stuff. And they, I would say we're probably 90% on the ball with, or on the mark with 
uh, you know, delivering on a lot of those observations. So I'll just address it very quickly. Um, the minute to minute to combat, which was my number one concern going in, has absolutely been alleviated. It feels crisp, punchy. Um, when you catch somebody out of position and, and playing position is everything, uh, you can absolutely just crush them, even if they are a yellow bar elite with a lot of health and armor. If you know how to shoot for their weak points and all the characters have different weak points, you can chew through that really, really fast. If you just shoot them in the chest where they have huge big metal plates, it's going to take you a while. I, I can kind of get behind that. So that minute-to-minute gameplay, again, feels good. Even So I'm World Tier 1. Um, I've got the game up right now, and let's see what's my gear score. Like 278, so not crazy good, but, you know, pretty solid. I'm trying to mess around in the, in the you know, in the, my, you know, I've got my toe wet in the end game part now. And right now, the world has gone crazy. You know, they've reset all my progress. Bad guys with robots and crazy shit, which is hilarious. And I'll talk, I'll tell you a joke about that in a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm going through the world and still getting, you get smashed at every level from level one to level 30, world tier zero to world tier one and so forth. You get smashed every part of the game. And it's not because you're soaking up a thousand rounds of bad guy. It's because you got outplayed and you didn't pay attention or you weren't shooting well enough. You weren't managing your cooldowns. You, you know, that's what kills you in this game. Um, And I love it. I absolutely am just really enjoyed by it. So side note, I'm a massive uh, like XCOM fan. Uh, also, huge fan of, like BattleTech. You know, it's a very XCOM-y kind of game. I love those games. The sort of 3D multi-dimensional chess games. You know, where you're using all kind of different scenarios. Really enjoy that. Division Two, at its core, is live-action XCOM. At its core, I would say from a gameplay style, that's if that's what they were going for, they fucking knocked it out of the park. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's really what what I think they achieved. And hats off to you, Pokey, for for identifying that. By the way. Um, so broadly, even at world tier one, you know, kind of in the end game, if I see a red bar running down the street, I can just burst him down real quick or one shot him with a shotgun. Uh, and whereas in division one, you could not do that. Purples and yellows takes you a little bit of minute, but if you catch them out in the open, they're toast. If you're in an elevated position, they're toast. If you have smart use of your cooldowns, uh, AKA your skills or, or your different munitions, they're, they're good. They've added a lot of RPG mechanics for your character uh, in terms of the specializations, which are incredibly deep, by the way, like way, way deeper than what I, I thought when I first got into the game. I actually just thought you just got a cool special weapon and some skins. That is not it at all. It is its own perk tree. It's very elaborate. You know, we can go into it in a little bit, but overall I really like it. Uh, so the minute to minute combat, number one problem is pretty well taken care of. Um, it still can be a bit bullet spongy, but it's not nearly as bad as you might think. Um, the world itself and what they've done to the world in terms of the city of Washington, D.C., which I know pretty well, it is phenomenal. This is one of the most detailed world environments, you know, kind of open world environments I've ever seen, like in any game ever. Uh, there is something going on everywhere, and they don't reuse a lot of stuff either. I mean, you might see the same kind of pile of garbage here and there. That's pretty common. But the layouts of all these locations are quite good. 
and they're very unique and they give you something they give you different tactical problems everywhere um, the AI in the game both cooperative and competitive so the good guy AI and the bad guy AI might be the best I've ever seen certainly the bad guy AI is get it because again Nine times out of ten, you know, what's killing you is not you getting outclassed with a weapon. Uh, it's you choosing the wrong weapon in that fight. It is you not managing your skills, not setting things up to your strengths, using positioning, losing situational awareness where all the bad guys are because they will flank the shit out of you. They will get to elevated positions. It will bait you into zoning in on one target while other ones, you know, are moving to both your sides. Um, it, it just overall, hands down, probably one of the better offerings. And again, for a game that's this ambitious and this big, absolute shitload of content on day one, ton of content. Um, and oh, by the way, they've got more coming shortly. And it's incredibly polished. Very few bugs. There's a few. There's a couple of significant ones that I think they're already attacking. They've already stomped a couple out. And there's some that they've got inbound fixes for. Very, very few, few big bugs. Very few. So overall, um, pleasantly surprised. Very engaged in the game, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, my minor op, my minor grief, you know, beefs about it. Uh, the cover system is really aggressive, so you can get stuck on cover really well. But again, if you're positioning and you know what you're doing a little bit, it's not bad. You're not free, you know, like bunny hopping and you know sliding around all the time when you, or not sliding, but hopping around. Sorry, guys, I'm kind of tired, uh, like you did in D1, where going to cover was often a liability. That's absolutely not the case now. Um, the only thing I haven't really messed around with is, is the dark zone, so I don't I don't really have any opinions on that yet. But, yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty baller right now, and I can tell you, if you really like you know, theory crafting, building, doing builds, and getting into actual craft crafting and collecting and complete it, completism, uh, completish. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, completionisting, completionisting, whatever we're going to call that, whatever pokey does. Um, this shit is for you. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. So yeah, overall, I think that's my hot take on it. No, yeah, you guys had a, really, a lot of good points there. I, I think the, Livy and I were kind of talking while you were, you were talking <clears throat> about how the game goes through like the main campaign and there's a drastic shift in the world and what's going on in it. Um, and it actually, I mean, <laughs> jokes aside, it does remind me a lot of like how monster hunter world, um, structured their campaign where you kind of go through the main storyline and you get all of, you know, you fight all of the various different types of monsters and you think you're done and you're like, cool. That was, that was enjoyable. And then something happens and they go, okay, well, we need you to go do all this other stuff. It has all the same monsters in it, but now they're really pissed off. Um, and everything is more aggressive. The behaviors change. You're, you're, for the large part of it, doing the same content, but it's a different experience because of the behavior of the enemy AI and, and how things are, are set up. And it it, it extends the, the campaign by reusing a lot of assets, but extends it significantly. Um, and, and what they've done in Division 2 is very much the same, and it, it works really, really well. Um, it's, I was very impressed. I realized what was what was really happening with this. It's like, oh, okay, so you're reusing the same kind of missions, but kind of giving like a little remix on it. 
Um, and, and actually, Destiny 2 did the same thing as well for uh, the Dawning event, I think it was, where you would do old story missions, but they had a twist on them, and it made them feel fresh and new. And it was the same same general thing of what you were doing, but it was it was different enough that it felt like new content. Um, and Monster Hunter World does a fantastic job at this, and, and Division 2 definitely does the same thing. It's, it's very, very well done. I was very impressed by it. Same thing with the... Uh, with the uh, specializations i was with you i thought it was like okay you get the gun and you know you get a a special uh action skill that no one else can use and and that's kind of it and then i'm like holy shit there's like a full skill tree here like there's a a lot of extra progression on top of just getting that that you have to work through and kind of build your character and it's it is a ton of content and stuff to do and in um one thing that i kind of i kind of mentioned to you last night too we were playing it's it's impressive how the, the, the whole game is honestly wave defense. Like, almost every single fight that you have in Division 2 is wave defense. But they have managed to tweak it just a little bit in every encounter and just change a few small things, change the terrain just a little bit. That even though you're doing the same exact damn thing every single time, it doesn't feel like it. Like, every encounter feels interesting and exciting. Even though it's the same defend the points, shoot the bad guys when they pour in the doors... It, it feels fresh every single mission. And that's mind boggling to me. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, they really haven't changed much in terms of what each of these missions are, <clears throat> but it's, it's still engaging. I'm still having a lot of fun, even through the whole campaign, the whole, I mean, I've been playing for uh, two weeks now, pretty regularly, several hours a night. And it's just like uh, the, the level of design quality and how they have tuned the experience to feel new and fresh despite reusing kind of the same ideas over and over again is masterful. Um, and I think that a lot of games, not just looter shooters, could learn from how they have done this because it, it is very pleasant and definitely different than what we've kind of been forced to deal with lately with, with similar titled games just not quite hitting the mark in that regard. No, yeah, I, I would say that that is a really good really good kind of overview of it. Um, I guess it's, I guess that's one of the things where it's like, I, because I wasn't expecting this too much and, and, you, and the way it hits the way it does, I, you know, that's what's kind of for me about it, but it is in, just really fun to play. And there are so many things you can do. And I will say this, while you can solo a lot of stuff and you can match make, you know, I, which is, is, you know, some good co-op in there. This game really super super shines when you've got a group of friends on, um, and you're kind of, and you're kind of rocking and rolling together because you you actually have to be kind of switched on to play this game. You can't just be like bopping down the road. Uh, you know, I was joking. I was like, I was literally just like, I was kind of on autopilot, and my thumb holding down the the run key on a, a what I thought was a pretty safe area, and I'm over there flashing through my phone on something, and I I hear this. Division! Boom, boom! Fuck you! And I'm like, I look up and I'm fucking respawning. I'm like, whoa! It, and it happens constantly. If you're not on point, you're you're gonna kind of lose lose the script here. And the, and the deal is, it it keeps you engaged. And like you said, it's a lot. There's a lot of wave defense or wet or uh, strong point attack. You're, you're, it's a very deliberate sort of attack defend cover shooter style. But because the environments are different, the AI is really different. Uh, by enemy faction, there's a lot of different enemy factions, um, and the situation changes routinely between free roam and different activities. And they'll reuse this. What they will do is they'll reuse an, an area 
for different activities, which drive you to, to play it differently. It's good. I mean, it's like real good. I mean, it, it'll fool you uh, in terms of all of the different things going on. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I think team play definitely is where this this game really does shine. Because I mean, there's a lot of and you start to kind of figure it out organically as you're playing. Because you can only carry two skills with you, and there is a lot of really cool synergies that can kind of pop up. And there's things that you can you could probably try to pull off on your own, but it's gonna be really tough. But like if you've got multiple people who plan their skills and how they're going to approach different situations and kind of and work together, it is beautiful. And it happens naturally too. Like, like more often than not, like I'll be lining up a shot. I'm going to lob a grenade like behind this, this kid's got behind cover in like literally seconds before my grenade hits, I see this like corrosive smoke pop up. And it, if, if it takes, if that cloud takes damage, it ignites and blows up and, and lights everything in the area on fire. And so, like, Libby has got this thing. She's, like, halfway across the room. We didn't even communicate this. And it's happened multiple times where she's just gotten in the perfect spot right as I hit the guy. So he blows up, lights on fire. He's running around screaming. Um, it's, it's great. great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that just kind of happens naturally. Like, it, it works out really good. And you start to kind of go, hmm, okay, what if you can't bring this? What if I bring this? You know, this mission's going to require... A lot of long range stuff. So, what if we, you know, bring that skill and these weapons and, and you know, like Jay, like you said, Jay, you can you can play this game solo. Absolutely, it's it's really hard. Like it's it's definitely not tuned for solo play. I mean, it, it is like you can absolutely do it, but it's very tough because you you can't have anyone rev- revive you, obviously, and it's just like trying to manage all the enemies at once. Like you have to be really on point. So. It's a good challenge, but I think definitely the most fun is if you can play in a group, um, preferably, preferably a group of four, because they've done a really good job also at how the enemies scale. Like, oh yeah, like it, like it, it feels good. Like I don't feel like they're too. A lot of games will have that problem where it's like, oh well, there's four people, so we'll make everything have four times the the health bar. Um, it, it doesn't feel like that. Like things things die at an appropriate speed. Um, for the number of people there, and it feels really good. It's like the the, the only really bullet spongy enemies are the bosses, um, but the the way that those are set up, it, it also kind of encourages team play. Because more often than not, they have a weak point, and like um, probably one of the scariest bosses in the game are these guys with like these sledgehammers, big like you know crazy over the top like Metal Gear style armor running around with a sledgehammer, and they take a lot of damage. Um, and it was it was a lot of like okay literally we're gonna have you kite this guy around the room while the rest of us shoot him because trying to solo those guys is a nightmare, um, and you, you do not want to have to deal with that. So you know the, the mechanics are definitely set up in such a way that it wants you to play as a group. Um, I think it's definitely the most rewarding way of doing it. If you kind of want to do challenge mode solo, that's fine. But you know I, I would suggest if if you don't have a group you can play with that you try to do some matchmaking because even if you aren't communicating verbally, it, it just feels and works better, I think, to have have a full party when you're doing this game. Yeah, absolutely. And they did a really, I really like the the level scaling bit. Um, could you expound on that a little bit? You you guys kind of talked me through that the other night. So just, just so you guys are tracking, like uh, me, Pokey, uh, Livy, uh, Pokey's brother who's been on the show a couple times, and, and couple, you know, one, one other guy in particular, we all play, but we all have – uh, up at you know for the first two weeks you know you had wildly different power levels across the board so like seb our, our buddy that we play with uh he's generally like your classic power gamer i don't i'm not sure what he does for a living but i think it's play video games 
Because I've I, I don't think I've ever met him in a game. You'd be both. very surprised at what he did for a living. <laughs> uh, you never know. It's uh, it's it's, uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting only because um, it, when we would join in, like it was it was very obvious that uh, that he was much more advanced than than we were uh, early. And certainly when I joined in first with Pokey, uh, but now I'm, I'm like I said I'm I've kind of like burned through like particularly this last weekend. I really grinded all weekend and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but. Uh, can you kind of describe a little bit how you view the leveling uh, or the level, the co-op level uh, leveling with uh, with squad mates? And I'm kind of curious if you guys have seen another game that does it quite in this way. Um, okay, yes. Yeah, so the way that it works in Division 2 is it, it basically takes the group and it looks at the person with the highest power level and it basically builds the world and scales the world around that person and then brings everyone else in the party up to their level. So it, it it's it's very clearly you can tell, like, for example, like if, if Seb was level 29 and I'm level 25, when you go into the world, you're fighting a lot of level 29 enemies, um, depending on the area of the map you're in. But my, my character level will actually say your level synced up to level 29. So all of my stats are pushed up to that level. Um, rather than bringing everyone down to the same level, it kind of elevates everyone up. So you, you kind of get a taste of what it's like to, to be, you know, <clears throat> that higher level. It allows you to do content that you normally probably couldn't do. So, for example, like, I was level 25. If I walked into the level 30 area, I'm going to get absolutely stomped. But because we had Seb with us, he was a higher level, we all came up to that level. We could kind of, kind of push it a little bit. Um, and it was kind of a good way to get... <clears throat> through some of the content a little bit more smoothly rather than having to grind up levels to get to where we needed to be. Um, the cool part is, though, is that the stuff that drops, for the most part, is going to be the appropriate level. So when you leave that party, I'm going to have guns that drop at level 25. Even though I killed level 30 enemy for it, I I'm going to have something that I can still use um, outside of that party, which is really nice because it allows you to still play with like your friends that might not be in the same spot in the game, but you're still making progress, you're still gaining experience and leveling up, but it brings you up to the same point. And it's great because, you know, it, in a lot of games, how that usually works is, like, uh, I'll use Final Fantasy XIV, for example. If I want to go do a dungeon that is relevant to me, <clears throat> and my buddy is a higher level, it's going to actually pull his power level down and he has to do old content in order for me to be able to play with him, which can be kind of shitty, especially if you are someone who's been playing for quite a long time, particularly like an MMO, you may not want to have to go back and do the level 15 dungeon when you're level 70. Um, it, it's, it's kind of shitty, but with the way the division two has done it, because it brings everyone up to the most advanced player, it lets that person still have a good experience, but it still lets everyone else that's joining him make progress, get experience, get loot, which is, you know, kind of the whole point of the game. So it, it's it's very smooth. It worked really, really well. Um, and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head that do it exactly like that. Like I said, most typically force you to go down to the lowest player to, to participate. Um, I really liked how this brought everyone up because it meant that even someone brand new, because Jay obviously started a little bit later than the rest of us, um, was able to play with us immediately, and we were still making progress, and not having to go back and redo content. It was it was very well done, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a great rundown, and I really appreciate that. That was one of the most fascinating things, just because uh, they they do a good job of keeping people together, and they really incentivize team play. 
uh, you know, in terms of the bounty systems and kind of, they've got a really good matchmaking system, you know, surprisingly good. So um, overall, I mean, pretty, pretty solid. So I, I'm just kind of curious if we can go around the horn and like pick out like uh, a couple of the one or two things we, we like in some different categories or things we kind of wish were different. Um, so just kind of curious from an RPG side, like, you know, kind of the, the character building and sort of the, you know, the, the tool sets that you have with, you know, builds, mods, skills, weapons, and, you know, all the whole smash character creator, the whole, the whole ensemble to build your, your division agent. What's like your top one or two things that you really, really dig about the game uh, that, that you guys are liking and maybe one or two things that you, you, you wish they would do a little bit different. Uh, we, we can start off with Livy and then we can roll, roll around to Pokey and me. You know, I'm going to say my hat. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I like my hat. I like my dance. Um, no, I, I think I have found, uh, I've always found the divisions system of customizing your character and your gameplay to be uh, one of the ones I like the most. This one is a lot better than the last one. And I'm still kind of finding kind of what I want to do, but I, I haven't, I haven't felt like most games where I'm, very far behind understanding the concepts except for the shade tech i will oh the shade tech i don't know what to do with that crap. oh man <laughs> I, I won't i won't humiliate you on the show <laughs> did you hey pokey did you just go in and spend her spend her shade tech for uh i mean i'm not i'm not gonna throw her into the bus but when i when i got I have, to her i have like maybe she, she she might have had 56 shade tech points um, which, if you don't play the game, are basically how you level up the perks in your character and unlock new skills. It's kind of important. And she didn't use any of them for, like, the first 20 levels or so. She's that's, that's, like, that's like playing Dungeons and & Dragons and you've got, like, a, you know, like a level 18, like, death necromancer spellcaster and he's still got the fucking level 1 magic missile he had to start the game. Crazy. Aww. It's 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 something that we we always kind of we keep an eye on Livy. I'm like, uh, so how's that uh, level six sword working for you? She's like, it's good. I'm like, you're level thirty five. You might want to upgrade. Oh, I like how it looks. But but the thing is, is that she always has like, the best RNG. So she actually has like the undying sword of a thousand truths. Like one exists on the fucking server, and she's got it in her backpack. She's like, oh, I didn't know this was any good. I'm like, it's glowing and on fire. Like, what? Are you, why aren't you using this? Like, but I like the look of this one. The one I'm you have. Girl. The one you have looks like a lead pipe. The other one, lightsaber. Let's do some math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, trust me, I get you on that. Um, all right, Pokey, your turn, man. Well, well actually, hold on. So, Livy, so you, uh, is there anything that in there you, you kind of wish, still wish that they would like? You know, personally tweak just for you, though. Hmm. I'm. Mm, I don't know. I've I've always been unhappy with how fast you go through your your weapons and gear. Like it feels like you find a gun that you really like, and you have to hope that you find another one like that soon. Yeah, that's that's something I, I'm still not. I'm still trying to learn the. Infu- you know, I keep on saying fusion. I get my destiny on it, but uh, like because I get that, used to a, dumping bullets, and then my no, best but, gun happens to turn to a shotgun. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, that's a great. Yeah, I'll circle back on that. On, on, but that's a great point. That's one of the things that I I kind of wish that I'd fig. You know, you could figure out if there's a way to 
like if you like i found a really really awesome uh light machine gun it's got a perfect perk set roll on it for exactly what i want but you know and it's yellow it's level 30 but you leave it behind on your gear score really really quick it's just not relevant and and i wish there was a way that you could you know i don't care if it was expensive to do either you know like cleaned out you know like a half your components or some shit but i really wish there was a way you could kind of you know infuse it so to speak to make it relevant or um if you get a like item you could bring you could use that to bring it up to higher level and all kind of other stuff but that i would agree with that because i'm kind of doing that now you're on the second half i'm on the second half of the grind and i kind of thought once i hit level 30 i I didn't really understand the world tier thing too much. And I thought I was just going to keep like stacking up yellow weapons and I can do like a little tweaking with the crafting, but no, 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 no. You, you start grinding all over again and you're blowing through weapons and armor. And I had a pretty good skill based build, like an electronic power build uh, up until level 30. That, that shit's all gone away. Cause you're blowing through different armor, trying to just keep pace with your, uh, with your power, with the your gear score. So yeah, that, that's a great one. That's a very good point. I'm, I'm kind of curious about that one. Uh, Pokey, all right. So stuff you like, stuff you, stuff you maybe wish you could kind of tweak a little bit. Sure. So I, I think you know we all know, you know my background and Jay's background. You know, this is we we kind of met in in Dust Five One Four, and in a lot of what drew me to that drew me to that game was kind of how you could modify your your suit, you know, fit these modules in there. The, imagine that like on steroids for for division basically like your guns have mods your armor has mods your skills have mods like there is a billion different things that you can tweak and change and slot into different things to get different effects um the way that things roll with like kind of this balance of like you know does it have attributes does it have talents does it have you know extra slots like there's <clears throat> there's so many variables that you can kind of find a perfect role and kind of tweak it. And in the recalibration station, I'm kind of figuring out and how you can tweak the, the, the equipment to, to be kind of perfect role and you can get everything and fit it all together. Like division one had some of that, but this is like well beyond what they did in division one. And that, that shit is like my bread and butter. Like that is, the, that is the kind of stuff that really pulls me in is, is how can I make my character personalized down to the, the fucking, you know, spreadsheet calculated point um that's what works for me and, and what's so impressive at least from what i've seen so far and i haven't gotten too much into the end game so i can't comment too much on how well it works then but just comparing what i've seen so far in division two to what division one is they have even more options to customize but it is so much better balanced than it was in division one like before it was like if you didn't have this particular optic on your gun with these particular two rolls that boost your DPS by like 300%, you were like locked out of content. There's no way. They've maintained the ability to mod your weapon in very unique ways, but it's so much better, so much better balanced now that it's like I can make it the way I want it and not just be forced into at crit chance and fire rate or, you know, or go home, you know, it, it works way better now. And just the ability to kind of dive into that, like I'm finally just got enough skill power where I can start like adding mods into my skills. And it's like mind blowing, just like, uh, like a plus one seeker mine on my cluster seeker mine. like just doing that is like a game changer, how I use it. Um, and that's, that's always big. So that's, that's definitely what I like is the customization, the modability of, of everything in the game. I get the feeling we're all going to have the same dislike, though, because um, it's kind of a, the, throughout the community, um, and we can kind of talk about it when you when you get to it, Jay. But 
just uh, as much as I love all the things you can roll and get that perfect roll and tweak it, it's all kind of pointless if it becomes irrelevant in 20 minutes um, and just not being able to carry it with you um, is, is kind of frustrating because you, you aren't encouraged to sit and really grind out to get that perfect roll because if its gear score isn't higher, you aren't really inclined to keep it. And it, it's kind of this push and pull where it's like the game wants you to get higher scored gear, but you're also encouraged to hang on to what you have because it's set up the way you want, but eventually the game kind of forces you to give it up because you have to have to have a higher you know, gear score to really progress in the game. So that's kind of frustrating. That's probably my biggest downside so far. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's kind of my thoughts. I mean, I think overall, though, it's it's been fantastic. So what about you, Jay? What are your, your uh, likes and dislikes? Sure. So I, I would say that the the relative way that you can build your character just generally is one of my big favorite things. Uh, the combat is really, really good. It's not my favorite, but it's just a massive upgrade over the first one. But I would say just overall the, the deep way you can work your character. And the majority of that is really what comes down to um, your your mods on your all of your gear and your weapons and the gear and the weapons themselves. Like that whole loot pool and how it affects your character is just really, really cool. Uh, I like... I love games where that has set bonuses. I'm just, that's something I like a lot. I like the crafting, it's going to shock you, but the crafting system, well, not so much the crafting system, but kind of the recalibration system where you can pick and pull, uh, you can make very expensive choices to pull like really badass talents, perks, or stats off of a given weapon, sacrifice that weapon, and put it on, a, on another one. And you can only do that once. Per weapon. So, like, if you got a, a really badass assault rifle um, and everything's good, you can only pick one stat you, or one perk or one talent you can change on it. You can't just keep doing, doing it until you have, like, all god rolls and stuff. Um, but it just gives you this just huge amount of options that you, you can work on. And then, really, your character specialization or, you know, that really deep tree set comes in at the end game. Or It's not even really end game. That's not the right. It's like the opening of, you know, like just the second phase of the game. That's where a lot of your character-based skills start to come into play. And you can really go into a lot of crazy directions with it. Um, and it's kind of funny. So me and Seb played for quite a while the other night. We finished the campaign, hit World Tier 1 together, uh, you know, hit the last three strongholds, all you know, back to back to back. And we were just flying through, and we were, and it just took us like an hour just to figure out what the hell was going on after we won, quote unquote won, because we were like trying to sort through different mechanics, figuring out like, okay, so what's this new thing? Where did this all, you know, all this other content showed up? And then trying to sort through, now you got all the kind of different gear choices you got to make. That customization level is killer. I love it. Um, and you guys hit it. I'm just going to reverberate it again. I. I kind of wish there was a, a an expensive way to bring forward really good gear. Um, I kind of I kind of wish that just because it would um, it's a little bit more of an investment, sense of an investment kind of thing. Like I said, I don't mind if it's like pretty expensive to do, where you got to make like a real super deliberate choice if you're gonna if you're gonna keep hanging on to that that really you know cool assault rifle you got. Um, that's okay too. Um, I do minor gripe, super minor gripe. I actually hope that they release more 
And I assume they will, you know, a lot more um, kind of character customization, like you know, visual customization options. Actually, quite a few in the, in the clothes department, but like, you know, hair, beards, you know, scars, you know, tattoos. So just keep releasing that kind of stuff because I like I'll always take time for that. Uh, I really enjoy it. But, yeah, I'd say that kind of wraps it up for me, man. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I kind of I missed that. The uh, the cosmetics, like there was a lot more cosmetics in Division One. Like, like I think someone said there's like over 500 in Division One. There's just a little over 100 in Division Two. And the thing is, the the pricing on their stuff is like really reasonable. Like, I would I would probably drop some cash on it just because I can buy it directly and it's no loot box bullshit. Um, so I'm kind of like, please add more stuff because some of the some of the options they have, I'm I'm not really feeling, you know, but some of the stuff from like division one, like I just take that model, put it in this game. I will buy it like for two bucks or whatever it is. Um, that'd be great. You know? So I, I wish they would kind of expand on that. My guess is that they'll probably have um, more of that with, with coming updates. And, and, you know, it's a good chance that they might have kind of held back a bit on that because they're trying to, they, they are probably reading the market and know how sensitive the industry is right now to, to monetization. They're like, we're just going to kind of, Hold back a little bit, not go crazy with it, and then we'll add, you know, stuff as we go. Because the fastest way to tick people off these days is, hey, here's an update with more stuff to buy, but we didn't fix the issues of the game that you are struggling with right now. But I think now that the game is, is launched and it's doing actually quite well, and people are pretty happy with it, they'll probably be a little more comfortable with with pushing out some, some uh, more monetization stuff for the game. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. And... and- like if a game's good and they're reasonably priced, I don't mind mon- you know, like you know, cosmetic stuff. I, I think that just adds to the game or your personal enjoyment. So, yeah, I, th- I hope they take that on board. I mean, I'd keep the prices pretty stable, but if they offered more, I mean, there's there's something certainly stuff I'll buy. I mean, there's a couple of them. Like I bought one outfit set that I thought was really cool. I liked it just because I wanted it. Because you're gonna see. Because and by the way, it's a third person game, so you see your you see your guy all the time. You know. <laughs> So it kind of further incentivizes you to buy stuff that you like to watch. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say overall, I, I give uh, Division probably I'm get I'm getting in the nine out of ten range on this one. I never thought I'd see the day. Market. Yeah, I, I want to make it very clear what I said in case anybody tries to chop up my audio. That was Division Two. Nine out of 10. <laughs> Dose. Uh, the deuce. The double. If it was Division One. Still hot garbage. We'll have Jay's review of Monster Hunter World. I think it's like a 9 out of 10. <laughs> All right. I, I will fly to your house. <laughs> You'll just send some, some Black Tusk robot, Black Mirror dog to come and murder me in my sleep. Oh. Okay, no shit. Like, uh, I, the, the first time I saw this, I was, like, was, was kind of getting a giggle out of it because you see like the Black Tusk robots now, and, and they're, they're pretty mean, by the way. And... Um, I, the kind of the funny part is like, huh? I think uh, I think I have some people working on this right now. In fact, I think it looks a lot like this. I was like, and I think it's doing exactly what I we're trying to pro like program the AI to do. <laughs> Wait a minute! Holy shit! So it, that was a bit of a sketchy moment. I had to have a, a surreal little little intervention with myself and and really kind of debate my life choices in terms of. Uh, being the evil colonel that works on science projects for the army, so it's kind of kind of fucking scary, actually. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to 
to more of, of evil robot dogs coming at me because they're those guys are tough. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on that before we kind of close this show, guys? Oh, I think that's it, man. All right, sounds good. Uh, so shout outs. So uh, my shout out is going to go to my stepson who got me on April Fools. I'm, I'm still reeling by the shit-eating grin in his face. He, he, he's five, mind you. Like, okay. And so he he tells me, he goes, hey, you want to see the, the, the brownie I made at school? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, you're making making brownies at school? And so he walks over to his backpack. I'm like, oh, geez, this mushed-up brownie. He turns around and pulls out this brown construction paper cut out of the letter E. He goes, it's a brownie. Yeah. And I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, like, he was so proud of himself. I had to, I had to contain myself. I was like, "Oh yeah, show Pokey your brownie." I'm like, "Oh jeez," I'm, I'm expecting you know like a yeah. monstrosity of a five year old project here. So shout out goes goes to the kiddo for getting me real good on April Fool's Day. Super good. I, I hats off. <laughs> okay, uh, Jay, you're up. Ooh, um, so I yeah I, I'm. You know, I kind of you know, the obvious winner here is you give Ubisoft a shout out. I think we kind of did that for the last hour. Um, I would like to kind of give a shout out to a lot of unsung, uh, really, really smart people out there that work on stuff that we enjoy. And it's kind of an esoteric sort of shout out, but like, no shit. Like, I have to deal with a lot of uh, pretty high end. Uh, engineers and research scientists and stuff like that. And, you know, folks that work on, you know, on a lot of interesting things uh, that you may or may not realize come, comes from places that, you know, where I work. Um, and I'm looking at the AI in here in a video game that we're all playing. A lot, a ton of people are playing and I'm looking at the work that I do that has applications in the real world. And I look at uh, some of the stuff that they do in medical first responder, driving cars by themselves, you know, all these kind of, all this kind of stuff, guys that work on these really meaty technical problems and do it well. That's my shout out. Like I'm sitting here, we're enjoying, we're talking about a video game on a podcast and doing it. I'm actually doing the podcast from an iPad um, and we're streaming each other live and we're in different time zones. There's a lot of really cool shit out there. And there's a lot of really smart people and really dedicated and innovative people that worked on it. So that's who my shout out is too. All right. Sounds good, man. And Livy, you're up. All right. So mine goes to Shirley Curry, who is Skyrim grandma, as you know, on YouTube. And uh, they decided to put her as an NPC in the Elder Scrolls six. So I don't know if anyone has ever heard of her, but she literally plays Skyrim all day and it keeps her sharp. I mean, she, it's actually quite funny when she plays it. She curses and stuff. So <laughs> um, that's pretty cool that she'll be inside that game. So yeah, it's pretty cool that they posted uh, doing the 3D head scan of her. So she'll she'll be in there. So when when Elder Scrolls Six comes out in like you know, 16 years or something like that after the the, the 47th <laughs> release of uh, of Skyrim on on the iPhone 12, uh, we will we will see her. Um, but yeah. So, good stuff, guys. Uh, as always, if you want to be on the show or you want us to cover any particular topics, just let us know. Head over to biomass.com. But that being said, we hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time.